0: These are the dialogues of a peculiar character. My name is Thomas Gideon. Join me in chasing my peculiar passion for beer and brewing through conversations with the amazing and curious people who work in the beer industry I look forward to sharing with you the fascinating stories about how and where beer is made and served, whether that is mere minutes or many hundreds of miles from my home. Before I introduce the episode, I want to ask for your help. If, like me, you support craft beer in the state of Maryland and you want to do more as a consumer and a supporter, There's a new opportunity. The Brewers Association of Maryland has formed a political action committee, the supporters of Maryland Brewing PAC. And by raising funds there, they will be able to support through that more direct reform and legislative progress than maybe we can encourage through our voices and votes alone. This is a low-cost simple way for you to do more than exercise your franchise in support of the reform of the antiquated alcohol laws in Maryland, you can go to marylandbeer.org slash about-us slash PAC, i I'll include a link in the show notes. For more information, also know that this is organized by Maryland Brewers as part of their tra- trade association. It's separate. It is uh, not tax-deductible like other forms of charitable giving, but it is an important cause and it's something additional you can do on top of supporting your local breweries and voting at the polls when these issues come up. When I had my first pint at Denison's over three years ago, I was struck by the location, the vibe of the place, and the quality of the beer. When I moved here more than 20 years ago, there weren't really any craft breweries in the county craft beer in general was hard to come by. I often would have to head into DC or maybe up towards Baltimore if I was lucky. Being able to walk from work to grab a locally made pint was a new experience and intensely appealing even before I realized how good the beer actually was. Since that first sip, several more breweries have joined denizens in my home county. You've heard the stories of most of them since I started this project. What's clear is none of them take for granted That locally made is enough. We are very fortunate here that the new breweries continue to add a lot to the scene. Astrolab is no exception. They're building a quality production space and taking a thoughtful approach to beer. Most striking is their amazing taproom. I can't wait for you to see this. That blends the unique history of a 100-year-old building with a cozy design and a location to be envied. I'm back in Silver Spring in a brewery under construction, Astrolab, to learn more about it from a couple of the people involved. Welcome. Hey, how you doing?
1: How are you doing?
0: First off, can you say your names and briefly your role in the brewery?
1: Um, Emma Whelan. I am a co-founder of Astro Lab Brewing along with Matt, and Matt is our head brewer. I'm going to be looking after the day-to-day operations of the brewery and um, any promotion and pretty much you know, looking after the the front end.
2: Yeah. uh, Hi, I'm Matt Cronin. As Emma mentioned, I'll be brewing for Astrolab along with doing general janitorial
0: uh, tasks. What is it specifically about beer that called you to chase it?
1: I, we have very varied histories and backgrounds. Mine kind of started out in food marketing, and I've always veered back towards food and the food and beverage industry um, with a couple of detours along the way. Um, my, I'm, I'm a foodie at heart. So my latest role with Whole Foods Market here in Montgomery County really brought out the inner foodie in me and got me into local producers, artisans, you know, people that really put their heart and soul into their product and it, it, you can tell with the quality and, the, you know, what they produce. At the same time, I was discovering the whole world of craft beers, um, mainly through Matt and, the, you know, the flavor profiles and just the, the variety that's out there right now. Our friendship kind of grew based on my love of those flavors and also a respect for matt for what he does and the the fact that he's one of these people that live sleep and breathe for his product and his passion in life
2: so yeah growing up in new zealand i started brewing at a young age Uh, a maid and i found his father's home so we got into it um the beer wasn't of the highest quality it was strong and potent which were the I guess, the qualities that we're looking for at such a young age. Uh, Fortunately, uh, maturity has brought me beyond that scope, so uh, we're more balanced in our approach. Um,
1: So, yeah, so it all kind of came together one evening over a few beers when our paths aligned. Matt was ready to make his dream a reality, I guess, and I was ready to change career paths and move into something that I really believed in. Um, so yeah, Astro Lab was born in January 2006 over a few or more beers. <laughs>
2: yeah, um, yeah, and as you know, I had the opportunity to come from New Zealand. Uh, you know, initially as a stud man, um, worked in LA for a while, and you know, it kind of moved me away from my beer focus. Um, but when uh, my wife and I moved over here to the East Coast that's when it realigned and you know I wasn't getting any close to the goal of opening a brewery and that's when I met Emma um, and now um, we sort of had the, shared the same vision and, uh, we decided to run with it and
0: this is where we're at now why here why in Silver Spring specifically
1: we both live here in Silver Spring I've lived in Silver Spring for 16 years now um, it's a great community, full of diversity and great people, and we really see it as a, a good place to take AstroLab into the next part of its journey. Um, we, you know, for us, the Astro, the reason we're called AstroLab is is a very thought out process. It's a it's an ancient, um, innovative device at its time. It, it measures where the stars and the planets are in alignment to us, and it. it it's a real piece of craft craftsmanship when you look at how it's made and and the the technical details in it and it really lines up with astro you know with with our our vision of the brewery yeah um,
2: and it's it's also a place uh, where I used to go fishing as a child uh so it's a reef off the coast of my hometown and you know it was a, always a bit of an adventure being there you know it's come a couple of kilometres offshore and you never knew what you're quite going to get so it's a nod to where where you know my childhood and uh obviously what echoing what emma mentioned being innovative
1: uh piece of device yeah kind of ties it all back together for us into what we we see astrolab as we want to be you know where we're looking at innovation um it's it's history it's a journey it's it's our future in Silver Spring so you know we see Silver Spring as a great home for the next part of the journey and and see our you know it was becoming an integral part of that community and them kind of shaping the next part of our journey and we we change the spelling of the device slightly um, early on, and the 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 thought process behind that is that we are trying to be innovative and modern and use new techniques. So just the the update of the of the name really gives that gives that aspect to to our to us, and it also shows that like we're we're going to be constantly evolving and looking for you know improvements and better beer each time we brew.
2: Yeah, we we wanted to put our own twist on it, and you know I think that's what we really want to reflect uh, from our product through to, you know, the uh, environment that we produce in our tap room.
0: Twelve years, roughly. What's the arc of that? You've uh, I think been working on the space here in Salt Spring for just uh, the last little while. Take us through kind of the build up to get to a point where you actually have a space where you're finally installing your tanks and planning out your Uh
1: Well, I think we've been, well, we kind of started formulating the ideas in 2016 in January. So it's been, it's been a, a, a long process, but short at the same time. And our visions changed from when we first got together to where we are now. But um, we, we've been pretty solid on who we want to be and how it, it, we, you know, how we want it to manifest itself in, in the building. Um, we took a long time to find the right space. And then when we did, we negotiated the lease for a, a, a little while. Um, and then from there, it's a lot of the, the time has been making the space what we want it to be and designing that with the architect, getting that right, going through permits and then the construction. Um, it's a lengthy process, but we think it's going to be worth it in the long run.
0: Tell us about that space i remember in particular you talked about changes i remember a particular presentation about your plans that uh, talked about a roof deck that i understand is no longer part of of the plant. so what are the plans and how have those evolved?
2: so uh unfortunately the building wasn't structurally sound uh, to be able to contain a roof deck um so we had to abandon that idea uh, we would have had to pretty much build a whole new building so uh, it wasn't in the budget to do so. However, uh, losing you know the upstairs footprint, we've actually gained more downstairs by having not having the stairwells overtake the tap room, so we're able to have the much open um, environment. Yeah,
1: it kind of worked feel. in our favour. We got more capacity by rethinking how the the, the initial level was going to look and how the tap room was going to look within that what i would say though is i mean we we went into the space and it was kind of one of those aha moments we love it it's brought some construction construction headaches but nothing that most construction projects don't bring and what we really love about it is it has got that history and a soul and you know a, a past that we 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 see as a big part of the astral lab story um and we've really enjoyed Design and it, we've put a lot of thought into what we want it to look like, and it, that that'll really show through the, the the decor and the design of the space.
2: Yeah, obviously we lost. Uh, it was covered in pink in the production area, so half the building was pepto bismal pink. Uh, everything from the walls to the ceiling ducts. So that was one of the first things that Emma and I agreed on um, was maybe changing the colour, um, but. Yep. Although
1: I did want to torch him out with the pink color yeah, yeah, for a yeah, little yeah. while, so yeah. <laughs> it might
2: have gone a bit, 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 uh, you know, spare in the back there. But uh, you know, it's it's come along, and uh, we've been excited about like having that transparency with the external environment as well. So ha- by having glass doors uh, on the exterior of the building, you can actually see through to the brew house. And also, you can also when you're drinking a beer, you can see that where the beer is made. So you've kind of got that connective uh, aspect uh, to the finished product.
1: Yeah, that's really important to matter. And I think for the even for the taproom design and the brewery design, we've we really are going for a very transparent, um, clean. I'd call it a simple look, but it's it. We we've really gone for a warm taproom that's... Welcoming to anyone that wants to come in. It's very simple. Um, I would call it like rustic industrial. We've tried our best to keep some of the aspects of the the buildings a hundred years old. So we, you know, we're trying to bring that history into the tap room and modernize it with with you know a space that's going to be welcoming to every, anyone that wants to come in and uh, just ha- come in and just simply relax, having a good beer.
0: What can you tell us about that hundred year history? I know from my time here that immediately before you, it was a vinyl record shop. Record. What 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 was it before that? What was it originally?
1: We're not actually sure. We know that it was built in 1922 and it's been through a series of hardware stores, but before Joe's, I I, I believe it was vacant for a little while. I'm sure there are some historians out there in Silver Spring that'll be able to give us yeah, the full history.
2: Champion Billiards was in there as well. Um, I have a lot of uh, friends who are, t- you know, who are long Silver Spring residents that you know tell me that they used to love going there. It was a great pool hall, uh, and obviously Joe's Records has a great following. Uh, so locally. The,
1: the businesses that we do know were in there, we'll try and pay homage to them somewhere in the building. So you'll see that you know um, we'll keep the Champion Billiard sign out front, although it won't say Champion Billiards anymore. Of course, the the pole um, sign outside. Um, we still have the old Joe's Record Paradise signs in the back, so we're trying to find a, an appropriate place for those. If Joe doesn't mind us using them, we do. We still do have to ask, um, and we just really tried to maintain some of the integrity of of what is there like, inside as well.
0: What specifically? What kinds of things? Uh, when you talk about that integrity, are you preserving into the tap room space? What What would someone walk me in look for? that hearing this would then recognize, ah that's part of that that history. That's part of the original building.
1: Well, the building itself is two building buildings married together in a very interesting way. Um, you can still see that shape there. You can I'm sure people will walk in and they'll be able to vision, you know, the pink walls with Joe's records in there. We have a few pieces that we we'll we'll leave there and then a lot of the structure that that has always been there, so we've we all have kept some of the old terracotta wall tiles, which are super unusual. Apparently, our construction guys tell us um, we've kept a lot of the beams and the, the the original ceiling structure in there, so that we we've we've updated it, but you can still see signs of what the space used to be. Um, what we really want to do is bring that character into the tap room. But also you'll feel part of the brewing process as well, so there'll be there'll be elements that will really bring you know help you to see that you're in a brewery and and connect what's going on back there to what what you're doing at the front.
0: The location is is stellar. it's understandable why a billiard hall was there, why vinyl record shop was there. Tell us a little bit about that kind of where that sits in downtown silver spring overall
2: yeah well i guess going back to when we we're looking for a space we really wanted to be metro accessible and also easy to get to uh, and we we know everybody can see the development going on in silver spring so we wanted to be in a uh, high density living area
1: um, yeah we really see ourselves as an urban brewery that's something that never changed from, from we you know we, that was a very conscious decision that we wanted to be in a high foot traffic area and in a in a very cool location like Silver Spring, where you've got so many great local restaurants that are still kind of a mom and pop run, um, just a vibrant community that is is growing. Um, and especially on the beer scene now that we, we were kind of joining Denizens originally and now we have Silver Branch on the, on the horizon and we're already, you know, we're already great friends with those guys. We did the collaboration recently. Um, and we just see each one of us has got our own character, our own beer style. Um, and very different beer styles, which is great because it really makes Silver Spring, Silver Spring we really think we're making it a destination for for beer lovers and somewhere that you can jump on the metro and take in three great breweries on foot within a mile radius. Hopefully, not stumbling too much to the last yeah, one. The
2: Silver, Silver Spring Shuffle. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's a great. I mean, it's a great time for beer in in Montgomery County and in Silver Spring specifically.
0: Something I was surprised to learn. A lot of breweries that I talk to um, often have mixed feelings about food and how they approach food, whether they're going to focus on beer, is that you actually are going to have a kitchen, that you're technically a, a class seven or, or a brew pub. Tell me about that and where uh, your focus is with that, how the food integrates into your plants.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, beer is our focus. Uh, and when Emma and I sat down to talk about the concept, like we wanted to have a small amount of food. Um you know, t- to complement the beer. And being from New Zealand and Emma being from uh, Liverpool, uh, the pie holds paramount in our cultures. So it was kind of a no-brainer for us to sort of kind of where where we came from and utilise something of home. And uh, the humble pie, so meat pie, will be part of that.
1: Yeah. So I think for, we really, for the area that we live in and just um, – to make people want to stay a little longer at the brewery. We really, we thought food was a must, but we're not a brew pub and we're not, we're not, we're not going to have a chef. We we're going to, we, but we also, it's, it's really important to us that our beer is great quality. So we wanted something that we can execute and it will, you know, it would provide something that's also great quality without the extra addition of having a kitchen. Um, So we also wanted something unique. And the food again fits in with the whole concept of it's a little bit of our history, it's a little bit of you'll see a little bit of both of us in there, but it'll grow into what the community in Silver Spring makes it and wants it to be. So we're we're actually it it's also important to us to work with local vendors. So we're working with a local um kiwi pie maker who is gonna provide us with the pie is gonna make the pies for us and we're gonna prep them and serve them at the brewery we'll also have some charcuterie and cheeses and other nibbles and I've been furiously hunting for local snacks that we can have at the bar for anyone that maybe has already had dinner and they've had a few beers and they want something salty or sweet or um, so that's been real real fun for me to, to, to really tie into the local entrepreneurs and artisans around
0: On your social media, I see, speaking of the beer, basement brews. So you're not open yet, although as uh, especially patrons, will see some pictures of the tanks in place and and the brew deck and kind of the production side coming together. Tell me about how the basement brews fit into kind of the run-up towards opening.
1: So I guess Matt Matt was um, brewing... On collaborations for a little while and he stopped doing that to, to work to concentrate a little more on the brewery but since then we've been we've been doing some experimentation in my my basement brewery are also known as the astrolab nano brewery um and just doing some hop experimentation um playing with recipes you know really really focusing in on getting what you know, the opening line or predi and what we want it to be.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, we want our beer to be modern, hot forward, um, and along with the IPA kind of pale ale range, you know, we want to incorporate that with our Saison, Stouts and our Pilsners, and utilizing our heritage. uh, So my nod to New Zealand and utilizing some New Zealand hot varieties and, you know, just providing, say, maybe some unique points uh, and Really, put a modern twist on some of these styles.
1: So it's been great for us to be, you know, working together and kind of formulating those those ideas and recipes and and really tinkering around with the the recipes that Matt's already already like perfected along his his long journey.
2: Yeah, focusing on water chemistry, we've been playing around with that like to get that balance and mouthfeel that we desire. Um, so it's been very. Small incremental like changes and just getting those final tweaks and really understanding you know obviously the water profiles will change where where we move but making those calculations so then we can get a nice uniform product out there
0: once we open.
1: It's been quite interesting though how many more neighbour friends we've both accumulated yeah. along the way. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Is there? Uh, a philosophy or uh, a particular flavor or idea that guides that you talked about a lot of things that I think are important overall in terms of quality thinking about the integrity of the ingredients but it is there some guiding concept or set of concepts as you're experimenting
2: yeah like for me uh, it's a mouthfeel goes a long way in terms like how I you know, enjoy a beer and that comes down to the composition you know, the bittering, the aromatics, and it, it beer. You know, covers the whole sensory analysis aspect. So, for me, you know, it's it's visual, It can be visual. Uh, then the arom- flavor, the aromatics, all kind of combine. So, for us, it's it comes down to the balance and like really trying to thrust some of these modern techniques um, to encompass uh, the beer that we want. So I guess it comes down to, um, you know, a lot of that dials into our water chemistry and the ingredients that we're using.
1: Matt's a very laid back person, but when it comes to beer, he's pretty intense. What I would say uh, over the years that I've known him, his beer, our beers are going to be hop forward, but really balanced. The words that come to mind when he talks about them a lot, you know, his beers have to be clean, flavorful well-balanced and the quality of them is paramount so he's made it very clear that if we have a bad batch it won't be going into the taproom and you'll see that in most of the things that we do Um, as he said we definitely lean towards pale ales um, ipas double ipas but we also have an awesome you know varied range of you know flavorful saisons full bodied salt um, he makes a really crisp lager and we also have a, a pretty cool funky sour series yeah, so, online I mean that, at the moment and that's
2: been the joy of the little nano brew system in uh, Emma's basement that she's been kind for me to use and uh, you know playing around with different yeast strains so we, we play with our normal sac strains but you know also using bread and lacto cultures and yeah, just trying to innovate and like you know create something unique, and uh, hopefully you know you know we can share that with the public soon.
1: So yeah, you'll see you'll see our IPAs, but the one that really won me over think, was a, a winter ale that Matt made.
2: Uh, the stout. Say, yeah,
1: it was a winter ale with all the uh, like the ginger and cinnamon and all of those things. That was also very popular from our nano brewery this year.
0: <laughs> when you mention uh, modern technique, uh, when you mention water chemistry, that makes me think of as much as people are a little conflicted, sort of the New England IPA, so the pillowy mouthfeel, the, the higher chloride to sulfate ratio. Um, the very late editions, almost exclusively Whirlpool Hop editions. Is that what you mean, or or is it broader than that for you? Is it more about um, dialing the the water treatment into particular styles and using like the best knowledge to apply modern approaches to classic styles?
2: I think it'd be a combination of both. Um, certainly, the New England style of uh, pale ales has kind of turned the world on on its head, and you know it's very polarizing becoming more mainstream and accepted. Uh, I kind of like the blend between West and East Coast styles and obviously some of the New Zealand styles that are coming out. New Zealand for a long time was quite isolated so the brewers had to be pretty innovative in like yeast that they, they had to use um, and also, also cultivating some of the local sort of wild cultures available. So In terms of those innovations, I think it's more of a a, a snowball effect. So it's kind of a collection and we're kind of constantly tinkering, seeing what works and what doesn't, and then like kind of incorporating that into our brew process.
1: But yeah, Matt is very conscious of water balance. And and I think in all the brews, he, you know, before construction started, he took test, you know, batches of water from the building. So he knew what he was going to be brewing with and, um, you know, he he, amazes me sometimes with some of the things that he thinks about. Like, for instance, when he moved into his new apartment, he was conscious of the altitude of where he was brewing now compared to where he lived. So, yeah, yeah. So, his brain ticks in 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 many ways when he's brewing a beer.
2: So my having uh, so I was brewing on the ninth floor of my previous apartment, one bedroom apartment where. You Uh yeah, My my now wife is, you know, well, she married me, so she's pretty forgiving. Um <laughs> But in that, I think I calculated it out because I keep all my recipes. I did 45-plus barrels in a one-bedroom apartment in, I think, less than three, just under three years. Yeah, so, so he's was, quite
1: lucky that he, he's now got so a wife. <laughs> yeah, so
2: a lot of our R&D went into there, and uh now it's under... uh Emma's house in her basement and you know we've been fairly prolific over the last year and a half that I've been brewing down there so uh, I think that's where being able to dial in some of these like water tests and like you know understanding how that translates to the finished product and the mouthfeel that we're going for.
0: I'm curious when you talk about um, the New Zealand brewing tradition and some of the unique aspects to that is that something That someone coming to Astrolab, are there certain beers where they'll recognize, ah, this is different because of that? Or is that something that you're folding into all the beers that you're making?
2: I think it's something that we want to fold into all the beers, you know, having that uh, unique experience. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the holy grail for, I think, every brewer out there. You know, they they make beers that they enjoy and uh, they want, you know, their customers, patrons to have the same experience. So, you know, incorporating in that and showing a little bit of your histories, I think, you know, it's an important aspect. You know, that beer is a historical, uh, product in, it, in, in it by itself. So, you know, we hope to, hope to achieve that.
1: Yeah. Put cool. our own stamp on, on, you know, the beer, the beer history. Um, yeah, I think you'll see, you'll, you'll definitely see a lot of, both of our histories in the brewery itself and in the beers, but we're also really conscious that we we are residents of Silver Spring, and where you know our community will also shape some of the the ways that our beer will progress and and grow and evolve.
2: Yeah, and that's where we see, see our tap room being important, uh, having that uh, feedback from customers, so we can have uh, you know some of our more uh, maybe some of the flagship bears or more constant rotations and then some of the innovative one-offs and, you know, we can get feedback from our customer
0: uh, directly. So speaking about the, the tap room, will you be distributing, will you be focusing primarily on the tap room or what, what sort of proportion of, of each are you thinking about?
2: Yeah, to start, like uh, we're looking to sort of produce out of our tap room, Uh, that's the goal and there'll be some small uh wholesale accounts we're not a large brewery uh so we can't spread ourselves too thin Uh, and from that we we hope to package within six months into cans uh we'll offer crowlers to go and uh
1: yeah, the yes. tap room's kind of fundamental part of of the brewery for us. It's where the, you know, the community will gather, and it, it's we really want to dial in the beers based on, you know, people's feedback, and really make it a, a great spot that people, you know, people are going to come and hang out. So we we really don't want to spread ourselves too thin initially. To we want to we don't want a day where people come in and we. Run out of beer because it's you know we've canned everything and it's going out of uh, the the Dutch door that's going to be at the end of the bar, um, so yeah we're, we'll we'll focusing on really making the tap room a, a great space and and then as as we get that piece to where we want it to be or we'll we'll definitely be looking at canning and distributing later in the you know later in our our progression.
0: Are you planning to uh, acquire a canning line, or are you looking more at mobile? Or
2: we're we're considering both, but I think initially to start up, probably mobile canning will be the way to go.
1: Yeah, we. I mean, ultimately in our business plan, we have a canning line. Um, the The discussion right now is: do we want to bring that forward slightly by mobile canning, and you know whether that'll make sense for our customers and also for. For, for us um, as a brewery, um, but we're, we're definitely leaning towards mobile cannon once or twice before we get in the canal line. It'll help us to understand the process and dial it in before we, we actually invest in a huge piece of equipment that, you know, is going to be with us for a number of years. But most of our beer will be served fresh from serving tanks. We're, we're, we're going to invest in, in a, a, a a number of serving tanks so that we're not putting all of our beer into kegs initially so you'll get that real fresh, you know, straight from the tank beer when you come into the, into the tap room.
0: How large is the brewery that's going to feed into the serving tanks and into those early experiments with distribution? Uh,
2: so we're brewing with a 15-barrel brew house. Uh, we have oversized our mash tuns so we have a little bit of luxury there to do some high-gravity beers. So that's a 20-barrel. Uh, and we'll be utilizing five fifteen barrel fermenters and a fifteen barrel bright tank. we converted just to be able to speed up our um, production process all the fermenters into uni tanks so they've all got uh carbstones and uh you know finishing hoses and whatnot so um that will feed into the the tap room from there so we anticipate a minimum half those tanks going there just to service that and outside accounts to you know finish up the rest and or uh, Possibly net migration to mobile canning or a canning line
0: The production area is a, a bit larger than the tasting room. You've got some room to grow there. Yes.
1: Yeah, we have we we have room to put an extra line of um, fermenters in but also to upgrade to bigger fermenters. So we, we you know, we, we went into this space with a plan that it's definitely there's definitely enough room for expansion in the next few years as we as we grow and we think it's it, it, it's fitting so we can end up with nine 30 to 40 barrel fermenters back there so a decent size volume and production
0: you tell a very compelling story about the tap room learning from the community bringing your history forward into that. On the distribution side, what do you hope to learn from that? What do you think would get you to that point where you would scale up, where you would bring the canning line in, where you would start thinking about that second row of fermenters?
1: I think for for us, it, it's, it's all about volume and capacity. And I think at the point where the number of people that want to drink our beer and taste our beer out, grows the capacity that we have to service them in the tap room. at that point we need to you know to get our beer into cans where people can take them home and and have them elsewhere or or buy them elsewhere um so i think that's the point at which we'll 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 really need to to look at spreading the spreading the um the product around and yeah, okay. Go sorry go ahead, go ahead. No, go yeah.
2: sorry uh, and and we sized the system you know because um, it was a system that we felt comfortable producing beer on without sacrificing you know quality so first thing, first thing is like we're always conscious about the quality of the product so if we're not comfortable with it then the, our uh, customer's not going to be going anywhere near it or until it's ready so uh, until we, we're happy with our process and we're, we're dialed in that's Probably at that point we'll be like, I thought we've got a handle on it and then we'll start looking at possible if we have the opportunity to scale up at that point.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you know what your launch lineup is going to be yet? Anything you're willing to share? Uh,
2: certainly hot forward styles. And I know that's a pretty general description. Uh, we'll certainly be offering the Payway IPAs and there's quite possibly going to be some mixed fermentation in there uh beyond that
1: I think he he doesn't really want to not that he doesn't want to commit but I think we we really want to go in open and launch and be a surprise for people to
2: for sure and you know some of that is seasonal because with construction it can be ever-changing window so depending on what part of the year that we're opening on, will define a little bit as to what we're offering at that time, as you'd expect. So.
1: Initially we were going to open with a winter ale, but here we are in the middle of summer and, you know, we, we'll yeah, be I don't heading think
2: that, <laughs> that I don't think an Imperial South in the middle of summer is going to do, yeah. do that great, so maybe save that for like a cooler climb. So, you know, a little bit of a, it is dictated
1: by, by that time. But also we, we do want that element of, you know, Surprise, and you know, to reveal who we are and what what we what what we're going to provide. Like as we open, we've been very conscious not to overkill with social media and updates, and you know, really because this has been a two year pro- process, and there's been a, there's been periods in it that have even been pretty boring for us. So, you know, we've tried, we've really been conscious not to not to put too much out there because we've been knee deep in, in muck and you know, tile slowly
2: and climbing out. All LA, of that yeah. stuff.
1: So we we we're gonna we're gonna keep that going pretty much to the end. Obviously we'll be we'll be putting out some more information closer to us opening, but we really want people to walk in and just have it's kinda of like the tap room, it's a bank blank slate. Our tap room is 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 designed the way it is so that you can really focus in on the beer and, and you you've got a canvas, a clear canvas to to really enjoy what the beer is and look at it, and um, that's kind of where we want people to enter with no real preconceptions or, or um, you know, ideas of who we are or what the beer is before we get before they get in there. But we think people will be, we think our customers will, will think it's worth the wait once they once they get inside and, and experience it.
0: I appreciate that. That makes sense. And without revealing any specifics, uh, have you selected any beer names? You don't have to tell us what they are. And if you have, what's your thought process? How do you guys collaborate towards selecting that that idea that that brand? Well,
2: when we when we design a beer, you know, we we kind of have an underlining point to sort of like what what is our what what do we want from it, and I, I think sometimes it can be hard you know it's like and dialing that bear and so some of the character of that bear may define the name
1: and also the we 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 haven't chosen very specific names but the beers will dictate kind of will dictate what the names are and the names will also pull in some of our histories and memories and experiences and and some of them will you know some of those experiences may have been in Silver Spring so there'll be maybe a reference to uh, something that relates to Silver Spring and what we've done here so it'll it'll tie into the overall the overall ethos of our of our brand and our and our you know our the idea behind the Astro Lab that it's a journey and it's experiences and hopefully you know, our customers will help us to define the next part of the journey and, and the names will, you know, they'll
0: go with it. Is there anything at this point that I haven't thought to ask you that you would like the listeners to know about you or Astrolab?
2: Well, it kind of looks like we might be heading towards, uh, well, for my, myself personally, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first child in, in August. August. So, August, yeah, thank you. August is
1: the month that Matt has two babies because he, it's looking like we'll be, we'll be coinciding with his wife going into labor, which puts a a sense of dread in me, but I'm sure in him too.
2: Yeah, so I'm getting used to sort of, uh, getting, enjoying my sleep while I've got it. Uh, It's going to be a busy period, but it's exciting as well. So, I'm very much looking forward to it. You know, it's been a long process of like getting this brewery to where it is now and, Obviously, with the arrival of uh, uh, a young boy, uh, it's going to be uh, it's, you know, doubly exciting. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy period come August. Uh, so.
1: For sure. Nothing, nothing to add there.
0: Where can people go online to learn more about Astrolab and especially to track towards uh, your opening day?
1: So our website, um, astrolabbrewing.com. Um, we also have um social media handle at astrolab brewing and you can find us on twitter um facebook and instagram
0: is there anything on the horizon anything coming up that anything special around the opening that you can talk about or anything else uh, any collaborations
1: we're we're in the final stages of construction so this is this is the final leg for us um that's going to be taking up a lot of our time in the next few weeks and then i think the next thing for people to look out for is well you know we'll be looking to hire a great team of people uh, um you know so if there are people out there that just love craft beer or love you know an artisan lifestyle and want to provide great customer service um here in Silver Spring, in this diverse community, then watch this space and and give us a shout when we when we um, put the the notices out there for for the team.
2: Yeah, I'm just looking forward to Brian. He's got all my toys there and can't wait to get them uh, ready and roaring.
0: Fantastic, Emma, Matt. Thank you so much for joining me today. Cheers, mate. Thank yeah. you. That's it for this episode Thank you for listening In the next dialogue of a peculiar character It's important that we're, we meet people where they are So it applies to like staff And customers And sort of like anyone you encounter In your walks of life If you have comments, questions, or suggestions Please send them to Feedback at PeculiarCharacter.com If you enjoyed the episode Please help spread the word tell a friend about it please consider supporting the show financially by visiting patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash peculiar character and become a backer patrons enjoy special behind the scenes access and bonus content the support of my patrons is greatly appreciated until next time chase what calls you i would like to thank the internet archive for media hosting and bandwidth The views expressed on this program are my own and where applicable those of my guests and in no way reflect those of my employer or anyone else. This show is produced from 100% Recycled Bits, except where noted, permission to recycle those further is granted under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States License. That means you're free to change this show as much as you like as long as you don't alter credits and you share your changes under the same license. Theme music is Slow Burn by Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.